The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Good morning to you, Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome to Human Impact on Freedom 106.5 FM. Thank you so much to Satish Mahabia for bringing you to this point. Now it is my turn as we get through your mid-morning and give you all the information that you need right here on Freedom 106.5 FM. And to start the day off, we have Dr. Ram Bokas and her guests inside Doctors on Call. So good morning to you, Doctor. Dr. Rambokas, are you there? Okay, so let's try and figure out that technical issue. Dr. Rambokas, can you hear me? All right, so we're going to check out the issue here on Freedom 106.5 FM, and we'll be back with doctors on call. So let's try this again. Good morning, Dr. Rambokas. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Good morning, Tosca. And good morning, Dr. Mohan. And good morning, listeners. Hi, good morning. Pleasure to be here this morning. So I just want to briefly introduce Dr. Mohan. She is a primary care physician and specialist in the field of public health. She's a former national scholar and studied medicine at the University of the West Indies, St. Augustine. After graduating 20 years, she practiced in the field of primary care, which sparked her interest in public health and propelled her to obtain a Master of Public Health degree with distinction in 2011. Since then, she has actively participated in multiple public health programs in the public and private sectors. Dr. Mohan now operates her own general practice and is passionate about preventative strategies to protect the health of the population. So, Dr. Mohan, I see you've been practicing medicine for 20 years. We actually were in medical school together. What was your motivation for choosing medicine and in particular public health? Okay, so ever since I was a child, I was interested in biology and science. My sister was a nurse, so I read all of her medical books and thought it was so fascinating. So I decided that medicine is my is going to be my field. Um, during, so as you mentioned, we graduated 20 years ago. And since then, I've been in general practice in both the public and private sector. I did obtain my master's in master's degree in public health. And I recently obtained a diploma in obstetrics and gynecology from the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland. So right now at my clinic, my focus is on preventative and women's health. And what yes. really inspired me to, to practice public health in the first place was that during my, my early years in practice, I met a lot of patients with cancer diagnosis and complications of diabetes and high blood pressure. And a large proportion of those cases and complications could have really been avoided if we took a more proactive approach to health. So I thought I would have a greater impact on my community's health by pursuing this master's in public health degree. So 
Using that, I was able to participate in a number of programs to improve our population health. So for example, I conducted research on physical activity, which I luckily had the opportunity to present to some delegates from the Pan-American Health Organization. And another interesting project was when I took part in a dengue awareness program initiated by our own Ministry of Health. It occurred in some of our primary schools, so I had the wonderful chance to interact with some of our young and future leaders then. So those are the two more interesting projects I was involved with during my public health years. So could you explain to us what is meant by public health and how is it different from preventative medicine? All right, so public health in its most simplistic terms could be described using the three Ps, but in this case, it's not price, price, price. It's actually <laughs> health promotion, disease prevention, and health protection. So examples of public health initiatives would be things like smoking cessation programs, immunization programs, and pap smear screenings. And actually, public health and preventative medicine, they both have the exact same goal. And that is to promote health and prevent disease. The difference is that the approach is different. So public health focuses on entire populations or community, like the entire um, population of Trinidad and Tobago, while preventative medicine focuses on individuals through things like checkups and health screenings which is what we will mainly be focusing on today. Right. So there's an adage that prevention is always better than cure. Is that age dependent though? I would say definitely not. Our grandmothers were right when they said prevention is better than cure and it's better than cure at any age because we can detect conditions like cancers, diabetes and hypertension earlier when they're easier to treat and when they have better long-term outcomes. By detecting things early, we avoid prolonged illness and suffering, and it's cheaper too. It costs a lot less to be healthy than to be ill. Okay, and what are, are non-communicable diseases? All right, so these non-communicable diseases mean that they are not passed from one person to another, and chronic, means it tends to be of a long duration. So in Trinidad and Tobago, heart disease, cancers, and diabetes are actually ranked among the top four non-communicable diseases. Cancer is caused by uncontrolled division of abnormal cells in a part of the body, and it could invade other tissues. So there are more than 100 types of cancer, and any organ can be affected. And the cancer is usually named after the organ or the type of cells in which they start. Right. And can non-communicable diseases and cancer be prevented? Actually, yes. So now we can't prevent all cases, but we can definitely reduce the chance of developing these conditions. It is actually estimated at about 30 to 40% of cancers, as well as cases of diabetes and high blood pressure, could in fact be prevented if we only change our lifestyle. So to understand how to prevent cancer in particular, we first have to look at some of the causes. So I like to divide the causes into modifiable and non-modifiable causes. 
So modifiable, meaning we could do something about it. And the non-modifiable, meaning we can't do anything about it. So non-modifiable causes would be things like our gender, aging, or family history. We can't change that. And having certain genetic conditions, like you may have heard of the BRCA gene for breast cancer. We can't do anything about those things. But the modifiable causes, however, are smoking, inadequate nutrition, physical inactivity, alcohol abuse, sun exposure, and exposure to radiation and chemicals. So we could do things, we could do something to change all these things, right? So in order to reduce but not eliminate our cancer risk, we could address all of these modifiable causes. So firstly, we could stop smoking. That's a major cause of cancers and heart disease. Secondly, we could aim to aim for 30 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity five days per week. So that's 150 minutes per week. And when I say moderate to vigorous, I don't mean a casual stroll down the road. We're talking about getting your heart to beat a little faster, you're breathing a little faster, and you're sweating a little bit. That's what we call moderate to, to vigorous activity. And thirdly, we could improve our nutrition. We all know what a healthy diet looks like and what an unhealthy diet looks like. So we should have more whole grains. We should have more fruits, vegetables, water, and less processed foods, red meats, fats, salt, and sugar. Then fourth, we could reduce our alcohol consumption. So the recommendation for alcohol consumption is one standard drink per day for women and two drinks per day for men. Standard drink is actually a measured amount of alcohol, not just how much you pour into that glass. It's actually 1.5 ounces for hard liquor, which is about a shot glass, five ounces of wine or 12 ounces of beer. So incidentally, these last four things that I mentioned also reduce the risk of developing diabetes and hypertension. But additionally, for cancer protection, you remember we mentioned sun exposure and exposure to radiation and chemicals can also cause cancers. Mm -hmm. So what we could do to prevent skin cancers, for example, is to protect our skin from, from the sun using sunscreen, hats and protective clothing and we should also avoid an, or limit our exposure to radiation and chemicals by using personal protective equipment for example and the last thing i want to mention to reduce the risk of cancer is vaccination so a major one is the hpv or human papilloma virus vaccine which could reduce the risk of cervical cancer and it's ideally given between the ages of 11 to 13, but up to 18. And then we also have the hepatitis B vaccination, which could reduce the risk of liver cancer. So you see, we actually have a lot we can do in terms of reducing our risk of cancers, diabetes, and high blood pressure. Right. And because I do skincare as well, you know, we have to pay attention to the chemicals that we apply on our skin as well, because our skin is the largest organ. So um, what are exactly tumor markers? Uh, do we use this to diagnose diseases or do we use it to uh, basically monitor progress after diagnosis? Okay, so great question, because a lot of patients do come in 
asking for a test for cancer and they think these tumor markers are the answer, but it's, it's really not. So a tumor marker basically is a substance that's made by cancer cells or it's made by normal cells in response to a cancer in our bodies. So the problem with the tumor markers is that they're not very specific because many non-cancer health conditions can cause the levels of these tumor markers to be higher than normal. So for example, the CA125, for ovaria, which is an ovarian cancer marker, it can also be elevated in things like fibroids or endometriosis. So if you get an elevated response, results, sorry, then the patient is upset and then they undergo a lot of unnecessary testing, which can cause a lot of emotional and financial distress. So that's one problem with the tumor markers. The other problem, which is more important in terms of diagnosis, is that they're not always elevated in cancers, especially in the early stages when it's easiest to treat. So this is why tumor markers, they aren't very good tests for cancer screening. As you asked, they are definitely more useful to monitor cancer treatment and the recurrence of cancers rather to diagnose. Actually, the only tumor marker that is approved for screening is, luckily for men, the PSA or prostate-specific antigen for prostate cancer. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Great. We have to take a short commercial break right now. And when we come back, we'll talk more about screening cancers and non-communicable diseases. $75,000? Oh, the script you're saying $75,000. This correct? Still unsecured? Whoa! Perfect time for this! Now, up to $75,000 unsecured loans with no fees. Direct to your account with approval in 24 hours. Call 2244-JEF. It's that magical time of the year. Hold on to your Santa hats because one lucky viewer can win it all in the CNC 3's Christmas Jingle Jam. Tune in to our Merry Morning Brew Monday to Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Start your day with a dose of holiday cheer. At the sound of the bell, give us a call at 627-8658 or 624-8721 and pick a question from our holiday tree of winter wonders. If you answer correctly, your name goes into our Christmas box for a chance to win in the grand draw. It's like Santa's magic right in your living room. Don't miss your chance to be a special guest on the Morning Brew and win it all this Christmas in the CNC3 Christmas Jingle Jam. The gift that keeps on giving. Promotion runs from November 20th to December 20th. This promotion is approved by the NLCB. Your solution to talk is here. Is here. The Charmaine Ford Show is on Freedom 106.5 FM hosted by TNT's very own Charmaine Ford. It's innovative, informative, educational, and fun. And fun. It's fun. not just talk, it's a whole lot more. It's all about making that connection with you. with you. Join us on Sundays, 12 noon to 3 p.m. We're bringing to the conversation legendary celebrity guests, increasing awareness.
awareness, finding solutions on different topics and issues, all while keeping it exciting. Call the Freedom 106.5 hotline and join the conversation at 627-3223 or 625-2257. Listen to the podcast on our website, tbcradionetwork.co.tt forward slash Freedom 106.5 or tune in for the live stream on Freedom 106.5 FM Facebook page. The Charmaine Ford Show, Sundays from 12 noon to 3 p.m. on Freedom Freedom 106.5 FM for talk that matters. You're tuned into the all-new Freedom 106.5. And we're back. It's 921 in the nation's capital, and we're heading back over to Dr. Ram Bokas and Dr. Shelley Mohan, general practitioner in preventative medicine as they continue this their discussion in Doctors on Call. Thank you, Tasca, and thanks again to Dr. Mohan. And we're talking today about non-communicable diseases and cancer. Dr. Mohan, what screening should women, with dealing with screening and preventative care, what screening should women under 40 do with respect to, firstly, non-communicable diseases and, secondly, cancer screening? Sure. So... Women under 40 should have their weights and abdominal circumference measured, and they should be screened for high blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol, cervical cancer, and those women at high risk of breast cancer should also be screened. So it's important to note that these guidelines that I'm going to talk a little bit more about how often to get screened and from what age, they are for the average population. But remember, your doctor knows you best, and they will advise you on whether you, in particular, have to be screened more often or earlier. So always keep that communication open with your personal doctor. So with regards to high blood pressure, screening can actually start from age 18 and continue to, till age 39. And you can be rescreened every three to five years, actually, provided that initially you have a normal blood pressure and you don't have any other risk factors. So a normal blood pressure at this age we'll consider to be less than 130 systolic, which is the top reading, or less than 85 on the bottom, which is the diastolic read reading. So if your, your pressure between the ages of 18 to 39 is less than 130 over 85, you can actually be screened for high blood pressure every three to five years if you don't have any other risk factors. So other risk factors would be things like those who smoke, those who are overweight or obese, persons of African ethnicity, or if you have borderline high blood pressure. So borderline high means that your systolic blood pressure is between 130 and 139, or your systolic blood pressure is between 85 to 89. So people with these additional factors would be considered at higher risk of developing high blood pressure, and they should be usually screened every year. So the other thing they should be screened for a woman under 40 is diabetes. So screening is actually generally recommended from the age of 35, and again, can continue every three years, but only if the results are normal. Again, for patients that would be considered high risk, should have testing done every year and it can start as at an earlier age and again your doctor will advise you so what we mean by high risk are those people who are obese or overweight 
if you have a family history of diabetes, if you have a personal history of gestational diabetes, if you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is being increasingly diagnosed in our population, those of African and Indian ethnicity, which is basically most of our population. And if you also have high blood pressure, if you have high cholesterol, or if you have low good cholesterol, which is that HDL cholesterol, another risk factor for developing diabetes is if your HbA1c test is over 5.7, that means that you're in that pre-diabetic range. And lastly, a skin condition known as acanthosis nigricans. So some people see that dark discoloration in their skin folds of the neck or under their arms. That is an indication of sh sugar metabolism problems and your doctor may want to screen you more often. So screening for diabetes is usually done via blood tests like that HbA1c test, which is a non-fasting test, or you can have a fasting blood sugar done as well. So the other thing, the third thing we want to screen for in those women under 40 is your cholesterol levels. Testing can actually begin at age 20 and continue every four to six years if your risk is remaining low. So what do we mean by low risk? If you're, sorry, what do we mean by high risk? High risk is with increasing age, if you're male, if you're obese, if you have a family history of heart disease before age 50, if you smoke, and again, if you have hypertension or diabetes, and then your doctor will decide if you need to screen more often than every four to six years. And cholesterol testing is also done using a blood sample, and that's usually a fasting blood sample. So we move on to the cancers. Cervical cancer. So with regards to cervical cancer in women under 40, there are a number of different guidelines, but I'm going to use advice from our Trinidad and Tobago Cancer Society. What they say is to have a pap smear every year starting at age 21 and continue until you're age 30. At 30, if you had a normal, if you had three normal pap tests, then you could switch to having pap tests every two to three years unless you're considered to be at high risk of developing cervical cancer. High-risk patients would be those patients who have HIV or if they had prior abnormal pap smears. And then your doctor will advise you, based on your personal risk, how often you should have a pap smear. So women over 70 can stop screening if they had three normal tests in a row and no abnormal tests in the last 10 years. So that's what our local cancer society advises. However, in the UK and US, for example, screening is recommended every three to five years, starting from age 25 and ending at age 65. They recommend using a test called a high-risk HPV test. So if you do cervical cancer screening in the private sector, your doctor may be using this test instead. So it's important to ask your doctor how often you need to screen because it's based on the tests used and your personal risk, of course. So, but the important thing to note is that you do start at least from age 25 and average screening with a pap smear is every three years 
if you're doing the HPV test, you can actually extend your screening time intervals every five years. So lastly, for cancer screening under 35, we're gonna talk about breast cancer. So only women who are high risk for breast cancer based on certain factors, which I'll tell you about, should get a breast MRI and a mammogram every year, typically starting from age 30. So women who would be considered high risk for breast cancer would be those who have that BRCA gene mutation, those with a first degree relative with that gene, those who have a strong family history of breast cancer, and those who have had chest radiation therapy between the ages of 10 and 30. So that in a nutshell is what women under 40 should be screened for, starting as early as age 18. Right. So um, do women who have had uh, the HPV vaccine, is their screening the same as women who have never had HPV vaccine? And um, do they still have to? John. Right. Do they have to also as well do a liquid pap smear with HPV co-testing? Okay. So patients who've had HPV vaccines, they, they're still recommended to screen because there are different subtypes of HPV that can cause disease. Um, with regards to the HPV, the liquid versus the regular glass slides, either test is, is um, useful, is recommended. However, the advantage of using a liquid-based is being able to co-test for HPV at the same time. That HPV co-test and the pap smear, the liquid-based, is recommended every five years or risk HPV testing alone but if you if your doctor chooses to do the glass slide pap smears you still have to do those every three years right and uh, why is it important that patients screen for hypertension at a young age is it because the causes of hypertension less than 40 is different than over 40 Actually, no, the causes for hypertension, well, in young people, you may have some different causes like abnormalities of the blood vessels to the kidneys or thyroid disease um, and thyroid disease. So you can screen younger people more often. Plus, if they have these risk factors, which I mentioned before, they can be screened every year. In our population in Trinidad, we have a high prevalence of high blood pressure. So screening from early ages is basically also to get a baseline and then compare your future readings. Good. So um, let's move on a little bit to what screening tests are recommended for men under 40? So actually the screening tests for men under 40 would be for those non-communicable disease risk factors, which are weight, high blood pressure, diabetes and cholesterol and it's done in the same way at the same intervals starting at the same age as we described for women cancer screening for men under 40 is generally not recommended unless you have a very strong family history of prostate cancer then you may start at age 35 but it's generally recommended from age 40. so they screen more for the lifestyle uh, risk factors rather than cancers at this point. Great. Thank you. We have to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk about screening for men and women over 40. 
The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back, Trinidad and Tobago. And currently, we are with Dr. Nadira Rambokas and her guest, Dr. Mohan, as they talk about cancers and non communicable diseases. So let's rejoin the doctors on Doctors on Call. Thank you, Tasca. So today we're talking about preventative medicine. And um, we spoke a, a little bit about uh, screening tests for women under 40 and for men under 40. So, Dr. Mohan, what screening tests are recommended, as we just heard the ad about preventative care in men, um, what screening tests are recommended for men over 40? Okay, so for men over 40, in addition to the hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, we now start screening for prostate cancer. So from the age of 45 and from 35 or 40 for those at higher risk, and higher risk means you have more than one first degree relative with prostate cancer, we start screening them with a blood test known as the PSA, prostate-specific antigen. So a lot of men are wary of coming to get checked for prostate cancer because they think they have to do the rectal examination. It is not always mandatory. It would be good to have both done, but just the PSA is usually sufficient, which is just a blood test. So men over 40, please, come into your doctors and have your blood test done. It's very, it's a very simple and easy screening test that could save your life. So if your PSA level is less than 2.5, you can actually be screened every two years. But if the level is above 2.5, you have to be screened every year. And because prostate cancer grows slowly, Men with no symptoms who don't have a 10-year life expectancy do not need to screen as they are unlikely to benefit. Um, what about colon cancer screening? Do we start? Yeah, at- definitely. So the other thing we need to do is screen, start screening for colon, colorectal cancer. So screening can start at age 45 if you're at average risk and it can continue until age 75. Average risk means you do not have a personal history of cancer, polyps, or inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease. Average risk also means you do, if you do have certain genetic, sorry, it means you do not have, average risk means you have, you do not have certain genetic conditions that put you at increased risk or that you did not have radiation to the abdomen, or you do not have a family history of colorectal cancer. So screening options generally include a colonoscopy every 10 years, a highly sensitive stool test, which which can be done every year, a CT colonoscopy, or a flexible sigmoidoscopy every five years. So again, if you have a high risk of colon cancer, your doctor will decide on how often to test. And people from 76 to 85 can also discuss with their doctor if screening should be continued. And this is generally based on your overall health 
and your life expectancy, as well as your prior screening history. Screening is generally not recommended for those people over 85. Okay. And particularly, what screening should women over 40 do? I, I know it would include the non-communicable diseases, but what additional tests should they do? Right. So definitely, in addition to the non-communicable diseases, we continue cervical cancer screening. We continue, we do colorectal screening, as just described, and we start our breast cancer screening. That's a big one. So we start screening for these women with average risk of breast cancer from age 40. So average risk means you have no family or personal history of breast cancer, no radiation therapy, and no breast cancer genes. So women now, the guideline has been changed a little bit. Women from 40 to 44 have the option to start screening with a mammogram every year. But from 45, it's it's definitely recommended to have a mammogram every year until you're 54. Then from 55 and older, you can switch to a mammogram every other year once they've all been normal, or you could choose to continue to have them every year. And screening should continue for as long as a woman is in good health and she's expected to live at home. Uh, should women do ultrasounds? Are they as accurate as mammograms? So mammograms tend to pick up breast cancers in the earlier stages or even in pre-cancer stages. Breast ultrasound tends, to, tends not to be able to pick it up as early, but both mammograms and breast ultrasounds can miss cancers. So a woman going in to have, whether it's a mammogram or a breast ultrasound, needs to be aware that not in, in not all cases, your cancer may be picked up. There's about a 10% chance that it may not be picked up. So that's why it's important for you to get familiar with your breasts. You should do a monthly breast examination, but that does not replace having your yearly mammogram. And you can have a clinical breast examination by a doctor every one to three years, but that also does not replace having a mammogram done. Right. What about heart disease for persons over 40? Should they screen for coronary artery disease? So with respect to heart disease, a person's risk can be determined by screening for the risk factors for heart disease and then modifying those factors. So those risk factors would be high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, smoking, poor diet and sedentary lifestyle. So there are calculators that may predict a person's risk of heart disease, heart disease using some of those factors in the calculation, but routine ECGs and routine stress tests, they are not recommended to screen for heart disease at all. It's actually just screening for your risk factors and modifying those or treating those factors. Okay. We have to take a short commercial break now. When we come back, we'll talk more about additional testing and persons with family histories. You're tuned into the all-new Freedom 106.5. 106.5. 
10 minutes to the hour of 10 o'clock and we're still inside Doctors on Call with Dr. Rambokas and Dr. Mohan. Good morning to you. Thank you, Tosca. And we're talking to Dr. Mohan today about preventative medicine. And we spoke about um, screening for non-communicable diseases and cancers and how age-dependent it is. But Dr. Mohan, what additional testing is suggested for smokers in particular? So with regards to smokers, um, they are at increased risk of lung cancer, especially the longer you smoke and the more you smoke. So screening actually is only recommended for lung cancers and smokers if you have a 20 pack year smoking history. And a pack year is a calculation where you multiply the number of packs you smoke per day by the number of years smoked. So if you have a 20 pack year smoking history and you currently smoke or you quit just within the past 15 years, the recommendation is that you have a low dose CT scan starting at age 50 and ending at age 80. However, you can discontinue screening before that if you haven't smoked for over 15 years or you develop a condition that limits your life expectancy or that limits your ability to withstand surgery. So routine chest x-rays or routine CT scans are not recommended. The only time it's recommended is if you fulfill these criteria. Are there any other testing that is recommended for patients, for instance, who have a family history of ischemic heart disease or endometrial cancers? So with regards to endometrial cancer, because there is no simple and reliable screening test for endometrial cancer, routine screening is not recommended. It's only those with genetic with a genetic condition called Lynch syndrome, or if there's a family history of that, then you will be considered at high risk of developing endometrial cancer. And those people could be screened yearly with a transvaginal pelvic ultrasound and an endometrial biopsy. So more importantly, with regards to endometrial cancer, any woman with abnormal vaginal bleeding should report it to their doctor who will recommend the appropriate investigations. So routine screening is not recommended. With regards to heart disease, as we mentioned before, routine ECGs are not recommended at this time, but definitely screen for the risk factors because those are the things that we can actually treat and adjust. And is there any guideline that we have, like a national guideline, say, for instance, a stress echo or um, a CT cardioangiogram is recommended? No, there at this time, there's no national guideline. Those things would be recommended depending on what your doctor discuss, discusses with you and your risk factors and your symptoms. So if you present with chest pain, episodic chest pain, what we call angina, those tests may be done to confirm whether there is blockage in the blood vessels to the heart, and then treatments will be recommended based on those testing. But again, it's, it's not recommended for screening purposes. It's recommended usually for diagnosis of heart conditions rather than screening for heart conditions. Right. 
And what about um, a routine eye testings, uh, checking your dentist, and um, for persons who are a particular age for vaccinations, are those things recommended and how often? Okay, so eye tests um, definitely can be done starting at age 18 uh, until age 64 every two years, unless you have any issues that come up, then your optometrist or your ophthalmologist will recommend that you screen annually. And at age 65 and older, for vision, this is, you should be screened annually because our vision will tend to deteriorate with age and conditions like cataracts and glaucoma are more likely to develop as we age. So every one to two years based on your risk. Dental is recommended every year as well. Again, of course, again, unless your dentist recommends screening more often. And with regard to vaccination, there is a, a vaccination schedule that the Ministry of Health advises. Most of these vaccines are available through both our health centers and the public service and at our private doctors. So your doctor will advise you on the schedule for that. Interestingly, there is a vaccine that was recently launched for shingles um, that is available for patients over 50. So that's a new vaccine that's available to us and very relevant to us because shingles is a very painful and disabling condition. So all adults over 50 can actually look into getting that vaccine. Right. And do you have had shingles before, before you get a vaccine, or is it that it's preventative for if you do get chickenpox and then end up with shingles? So it's it's actually recommended for any everyone over 50, whether or not you had shingles before, because you can have another episode of shingles. If you've had chickenpox, you are definitely at risk of developing shingles because it's the same virus that remains dormant in your body and reactivates with age as our immunity declines. Even if you right. have not had shingles, sorry, chickenpox, it is advised to get the vaccine because many people have been, one out of three people actually have been exposed and don't even know they've been exposed to the virus. So that's what research show, one out of every three people will develop shingles. So it's largely preventative to get this vaccine for all adults over 50. Okay. And uh, you said that you work on a, a number of public health programs. What are you currently working on presently? So, right now in the private sector, I'm working with a public health company on an initiative for childhood obesity. We are trying to partner with the private sector to get physical activity uh, more active and more accessible in schools. So we want to get donation of some uh, physical activity equipment, train some teachers if they're interested about physical activity programs and actually monitor how much physical activities these children are having in select schools. And we're gonna monitor some um, parameters like their weight and height from a baseline and then compare them to future readings and see if the physical activity intervention has any beneficial effects. Oh, great. And uh, Dr. Mohan, uh, how can you be contacted? Where is your office? So my office is in Diego Martin. I can be contacted through my Facebook page, Dr. Shelley Mohan or Femian Medical Clinic. 
The numbers for my office are 223-7549 or 687-5583. Thank you very much. We want to thank you today for being educational and informative. I want to thank my co-host, Tosca, and our listeners out there. And do you have any closing words for our listeners out there with respect to their health? Definitely. Do your screening. Don't be afraid of what you'll find. Overcome that fear. You're doing something good for yourself by screening because when you pick it up early, it's easiest to treat. Great. And thank you and have a good day. Thank you. Same to you. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.